Pope Francis just owned the Jesuits America magazine. It wasn't even close. Pope Francis just exposed the American Jesuits for the heretics and, and political hacks they are. He exposed Gloria Purvis as a race essentialist, as a race divider, and not only nailed, but like dragon breath welded <laughs> the door shut on women ever be made priest in a Catholic church. Amazing interview. So I'm going to review that. This is the David O. Gray Show. Hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. So the Jesuits American Magazine, where heretic James Martin is the editor emeritus, sent their crack team of political journalists to interview Pope Francis on November 22nd to ask the Holy Father just five questions. Um, sitting down with the pontiff were Jesuit Matt Malone, the departing editor-in-chief of America, uh, Jesuit Sam Sawyer, the incoming editor-in-chief, Carrie Weber, um, who's executive director, um, Gerald O'Connell, their uh, Vatican correspondent, and Gloria Purvis, the host of the Gloria Purvis podcast. And they asked, um, uh, the first question they asked Pope Francis was, how come you're so happy? Really? You're the prophet Moses at the bush that is on fire. And, and the bush is also talking. And the best answer you could come up with is Bush. How come you're so bushy? Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I could tell you that the interview got better from there, but it didn't. It, it immediately descends into politics because, well, you know, that, that's the lens through which these people see everything. They don't see the world through the cross by which Christ was crucified or even through the Eucharist. It's all politics and policy with these people. And it's completely boring and uninteresting. Uh, the Jesuit Sam Sawyer, he asks, Yet, since your speech to Congress, we have seen not only political polarization grow deeper, also polarization within the life of the church. How can the church respond to polarization with its own life and help respond to polarization in society. So let me get this right. You're asking one of the most polarizing popes how to respond to polarization? A pope who every Sunday attacks traditional Catholics, calls people who disagree with him the worst names known to God, who elevates the most polarizing priests to be bishops, most polarizing bishops to be cardinals, and appoint some of the worst dregs and poor pro-boards in the history of humanity to the Pontifical Life Academy? You're asking him about how the church can respond to polarization? Have you lost your mind? You, you have to wish that Pope Francis just would have had a moment of honesty here and said, well, I'm part of the problem. I'll just resign 
and endorse um, in the election of my successor, uh, Raymond Cardinal Burke. Yeah, yeah, he'll be my successor. But no. Pope Francis just contradicts himself, saying, polarization is not Catholic. A Catholic cannot think either or, alt, alt, and reduce everything to polarization. Next, Carrie Weber asks the Holy Father. In, in 2021, we conducted a survey asking Catholics in the United States who they trust to be their leaders and guides on matters of faith and morals. Out of groups we listed, the U.S. Catholic Conference of Catholic Bishops was found to be the least trustworthy. Only 20% found it to be very trustworthy. Catholics ranked their own local bishop higher. Around 29% described them as very trustworthy. But the majority of Catholics seem to have lost faith in the bishop's conference ability to offer moral guidance. How can a U.S. Catholic bishops regain the trust of American Catholics? Look, fake poll and fake news. Most Catholics cannot even tell you who, who their own bishop is, despite the fact that the priest been prays for that bishop at every mass. But what this question was really about was the USCCB not electing enough progressive bishops as president of the conference. As hard as the homosexual lobby in the conference tries, the vast majority of bishops just don't want a heretic to lead them. American Magazine, National Catholic Reporter, those types don't like the current conference president, Archbishop Timothy Broglio. They don't like the, the previous president, Archbishop Jose Gomez. They haven't liked any of the presidents at a conference since perhaps Francis Cardinal George of Chicago, who served over a decade ago, I think 2008. So people who see everything through the political lens do not like a Catholic conference of bishops who will not false equivocate and equates things like immigration with abortion or the death penalty with abortion. They don't like bishops who explain why President Joe Biden is not in communion with the Catholic Church. So that's what this question was about. They're, they're, they're trying to get Pope Francis um, to condemn the USCCB. They want him to say that they're being too political. This question was really just an attack on a conservative arm of the USCCB, and they were trying to instigate a fight between them and Rome. But Pope Francis saw it coming a mile away, and rightly explained to them the distinction between and uh, between um, the, the Conference of Bishops, which is just really just a collegial, a collegial body with no authority, versus what a bishop does, who is a pastor of his own flock. Then, what happened next was Gloria Purvis. She tries to start a fight between the Pope and the USCCB another way, saying, Holy Father, abortion is a heavily politicized issue in the United States. We know it is wrong. And the United States Supreme Court recently ruled that there is no constitutional right to abortion. However, it seems to plague the church in the sense that it separates us. Huh? 
Should the bishops prioritize abortion in relation to other social justice issues? Again, Pope Francis sees Gloria coming a mile away. <laughs> and he slides out of that with like a professional boxer. I, I would like to him have uh, worked his distinction between calling uh, a, a child in a womb uh, a, a human being rather than a person. He makes this distinction when she doesn't really um, lead to his logical conclusions. But again, he compares abortion to hiring a hitman and calls the plague of abortion a pastoral problem. So Gloria's attempt at landing an uppercut on the USCCB here and missed so wildly that she gave herself a TKO. And Pope Francis walked away clean. He had to be thinking at this point how much he misses his dead atheist friend, Eugenio Scafari. At least that pagan could ask an interesting question. But to the rescue, not dropping their attack on a United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, coming in to clean up Gloria's mess was Gerald O'Connell, trying to instigate the fight again, saying, the question was if the bishops conference should present the fights against abortion as the number one problem while all the rest are secondary. Ah, this seamless garment. Thanks for getting to the point. All moral issues are equal with abortion. Come on, Pope Francis, please, please just say it. Tell us, tell us, tell the USCCB that abortion is just as bad as, as it's not as bad as they think it is. Please tell them that abortion is bad as global warming, as bad as killing a baby in a womb is, is really no worse worse than buying a Ford F-150 diesel. Please, please, just, just help us out here, man. They're like a kid on a playground trying to pick a fight. Hey, man, Joy says your mama. He said what? Yeah, he said your mom wears fake Christian Louis Vuitton. He, he said your mama buys red fingernail polish at Walmart uses to paint the bottom of her shoes. <laughs> As for the Pope Francis, you know, again, he saw this coming like a, like a Mack truck coming down a country road. He said, my response is that this is a problem for the bishops conference to resolve within themselves. What interests me is the relationship of the bishops with the people, which is sacramental. I love Pope Francis. He, you know, he says some heretical things at times, but the guy isn't stupid. He knows when people are trying to use him to pick a fight with his brother bishops. Then, then uh, the Jesuit Sam Sawyer, he then asked the question about the church losing credibility with the never-ending um, child abuse cases in the world. You know, a question which might interest maybe like two people, um, but really nothing, nothing that really challenges Pope Francis, nothing that makes him step back and say, hmm, that's a really good question. So then Gerald O'Connell asked the Pope to explain his position on the war in Ukraine basically asking him why he hasn't named Putin and condemned him by name. A little more interesting, but again, Pope Francis has spoken enough about this issue, and we all know where he stands on that war and every other war. Here he says, 
The position of the Holy See is to seek peace and to seek an understanding. The diplomacy of the Holy See is moving in this direction. And of course, is always willing to mediate. Then, the token black woman on the trip, the race essentials that she is, and race divider that she is, comes back to talk about black issues, you know, what they brought her there for. And she also, so she moves on to paint black Americans as if they are all these 400-year-old downtrodden victims who just escaped slavery, saying, in the history of the Catholic Church in the United States, black Catholics have largely been neglected. It is our experience in the church. But we stay because we believe. Now, a recent survey has showed a large number of black Catholics are leaving the church. Racism is important to us. But other Catholics do not see it as a priority. After George Floyd's murder, more people have left the church because of the neglect within the church around the theme of racism. What would you say now to black Catholics in the United States who experience racism at the same time experience a deafness within the church? For calls for racial justice, how can you encourage them? First, the poet that Gloria is talking about is one that I spent some time in on in the introduction to this book that I contributed to. It's called Catholic Traditional and Black, by the way. Um, and, and she's talking about, uh, you know, the number of, of so-called black Catholics which contributed to this poll were minuscule. And of those whom did participate were not representative of the Catholics who are black and actually believe what the Catholic Church teaches. What this poll was, as I say in my book, was an indictment and clear evidence that Catholicism among, amongst culturally black Catholics is at most Protestant and at minimum completely fake and inauthentic. Second, what the hell is an African-American? Jesse Jackson, who started that nomenclature when he was running for president in the 1980s, he started it so he could try to really galvanize an electorate of race essentialists. It ended up being just a constituent of black folks who the Democrats would be able to control for decades and have. I will simply never understand why people cannot just call themselves American. But more so, if not that, how do they get away with claiming a whole continent they were never born on as their own? Unless you are an immigrant from Africa who is now an American citizen like Elon Musk, you should not be calling yourself an African Especially if you cannot uh, tell us what tribe or country you descend from. You know, I want to punch people in the neck sometimes who call me an African-American. I'm an American. And my father was not a descendant from slaves. Unfortunately, you know, that side of the family owned slaves. On my mother's side, my oldest known relative is my great grandfather, Bert Gray, who is not a slave but was a man who worked very hard, a man whose lineage 
um, consists of hardworking men and husbands and fathers. And that legacy really ends with me and my uncle. We didn't have daughters. So nothing about this, our story or, or either line of my family is African. So don't call me that. Call me Catholic. Call me an American. Matter of fact, just call me David would be perfectly fine. These divisive terms we call each other are stupid. I, I wish I never had to call a person according to their, their skin color or their culture. But Glory isn't, you know, she's not critical at all about that fact. Or the fact that people are supposedly leaving the Catholic Church because some man who was high on fentanyl died after resisting arrest and a police officer stupidly restricted his breathing. That's why Catholics are leaving? Really? Because the bishops would not lie and say that it was racism that killed George Floyd? It was a racism. A, a church that has a liturgy that consistently mentions sin and forgiveness of sin has a group of people within her who are leaving the church because they don't hear the liturgy mention sin? So the question is, what's going on in those culturally black Catholic churches that they don't hear the liturgy addressing sin every day? Is the, the Protestant gospel music too loud? Is Father Flager dancing around too much? Too busy celebrating Kwanzaa and worshiping Martin Luther King Jr. Too busy worrying about racial justice to focus on liturgical justice? Give me a break, Gloria. The cross is just never enough for you, is it? Pope Francis, how can you encourage these African Americans who are still in slavery, who cannot even become president or vice president of the United States, or own a company, or become a cardinal or a bishop, or make millions of dollars in entertainment. How can these people who are being so discriminated against from Ivy League universities because of their SAT scores are just too perfect? Oh, wait. That's not African Americans that are being discriminated. That's Asians and whites who Yale and Harvard won't allow in because they got to make space for, you know, equity, diversity, and inclusion, you know. Let African-Americans in who have lower test scores and lower grades, let them in. And discriminate against Asians and whites. All right, that group, that's a downtrodden group that, that's suffering so much in the United States. Miss me with that, Gloria. But this is what happens. It's always these super light-skinned black folk or lesbians or black people who are in interracial relationships that need to validate their blackness that always make it about race. Like the mixed Colin Kaepernick types. The lesbian suspect Stacey Abrams type. The mixed marriage Gloria Purvis types. I admit it. Is is black folk it's fault for telling lighter skinned black folks they aren't black enough, or those in mixed marriages like Gloria that they are sellouts for marrying outside their culture, outside their race? I mean, that's why they feel like these people have to feel like they have to prove their bona fides. And I get it. Again, I talk about that in my book. You know, I was one of those kids um, who's raised outside of the black culture, who was told I sound white. I dress light, light white. You're not black enough. And it's really why I spent 30 years of my life pretending to be 
as culturally black as I could. By the time I was 32, my culturally black resume was so black, I put Shaft and Dolomite to shame. I was so black, my nickname was Shadow. <laughs> the only non-black thing about me was the fact that I didn't eat ribs. I didn't eat pork and chitlins. I was always, because of that, I was always suspect at the cookout. So I, I was always trying to bring more um, extra potato salad <laughs> and tell everyone that, yeah, you know, I really haven't eaten pork since, you know, my nation of Islam phase. Listen, I had so much black street cred 20 years ago. People thought all my white, my, all my white friends were half black. I, I was so black, I was rubbing off on them. <laughs> Kidding, you know. I, I was so black, I didn't even have white friends. I, I, I take that back. I had one, but he was, he was from Australia, so he really didn't count. So, I know the work you have to put in to pose as being really blackity blackity black. Well, you're a suspect for either being raised in a wrong neighborhood, being uh, too light, uh, being in a mixed marriage. I almost didn't marry my, my first wife because, you know, you know, she was mixed, you know, light, you know, but she tanned really well in the summer. So, you know, so I let it slide. But again, Pope Francis doesn't bite on glorious race essentialism, responding I will say to them that I'm close to the suffering they are experiencing, which is a racial suffering. And in this situation, those who should in some way be close to them are the local bishops. The church has bishops of African-American descent. Not good enough for Gloria. She presses again. Saying, but most of us go to parishes where the priests are not African-American. And most other people, uh, most of the other people are not African-American and, and they appear not to have sensitivity for our suffering. What suffering? Many times they ignore our suffering. What suffering? So how can we, how can we encourage black Catholics to stay? You know, well, I wish Pope Francis would have said, um, <laughs> they should stay because their skin color won't save them, but Christ Jesus will. They should stay because the sacraments do not care about your skin color. That's what I wish. I mean, that's what he should have said, right? It's just so annoying to hear people talk about black Americans as if all of us are suffering more from whites than, you know, we are from blacks. Not one. Every black person I know can tell me more about suffering they've dealt with from um, from people who look like them than from white folk. But this is why the whole world thinks that black Americans are these downtrodden people. That's why U.S. soccer player Tyre Adams had to suffer this disrespectful question. Um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? You know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, you know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures and, and kind of assimilate into different cultures, um, is that in the U.S. we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process. I think as, as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. These people really think we're stuck in slavery. It's crazy. But that's the narrative that people like Gloria Purvis puts out there. 
I was so happy to see Pope Francis check her bullcrap and equivocate blacks with indigenous and Hispanics. I wish you have added poor whites in there too. I mean, more whites are suffering. They're more on welfare and struggling right now than there are blacks and Hispanics. Gloria, again, you can miss me with this trope. I hate race essentialism. Labeling people by their skin color is racist and it divides the people of God according to nothing that matters. Skin color is not an ability or a disability. If you think that it is, then you failed at being human. You know, the Catholic Church does not have a problem with racism. What it has is a problem with racists like Gloria Purvis making problems. Full stop. But not to be outdone by Gloria's race essentialism, here comes Carrie Weber trying to um, get Pope Francis to make a woman a priest. Holy Father, as you know, women have contributed to much to the life of the church. You have appointed so many women at the Vatican, which is great. Nevertheless, many women feel pain because they cannot be ordained priest. What would you say to a woman who is already serving in the life of the church, but who still feels called to be a priest? Here, Pope Francis welds his shut. I love his abbreviated answer saying, there are three principles, two theological and one administrative. The Petrine principle, which is the ministerial dimension. The church cannot function only with that one. Marian principle, which is that of the spousal church, the church as spouse, the church as woman, and the administrative principle, which is not theological, but is rather of that administration about what one does. And why cannot, can, why can a woman not enter ordained ministry? It is because the Petrine principle has no place for that. Yes, one has to be in the Marian principle, which is more important. Woman is more. She looks more like the church, which is mother and spouse. I believe that we have too often, often failed in our catechesis when explaining these things. We have relied too much on the administrative principle to explain it, which is in the long term does not work. Now, here I would have pushed back on Francis saying him saying that the, the Marian principle is more important than the Petrine one because the mother and spousal ministry cannot consecrate the whole Eucharist. I, I wouldn't even say that that ministry is even essential, mother and spouse, but it, it is necessary. I mean, no spouses, no mothers, no priests, but nothing is as essential to the Catholic Church as the Petrine ministry. But I love how he welded the door shut with some of that dragon breath to which the church militant reported that the heterodox women's ordination conference, which campaigns for priestesses in the Catholic church, released a statement attacking Pope Francis for upholding the churches, um, what they call, quote, unequal treatments of women by 
exploiting misogynistic metaphors to dismiss the sincerely discerned vocations of women, unquote. So let me get this right. <laughs> Pope Francis echoes St. Paul in Ephesians 5, saying that the church is a type of woman and the woman is a type of church, and, and calls that the true and theological and ontological reasons why women cannot be priests. Yet, these women, this women's ordination conference comes along saying that they are mad because they cannot marry a woman. So they're admitting that they're just a bunch of lesbians in pain suits. Oh, amazing. I mean, I think we knew that all along, didn't we? <laughs> these are just some dykes in pantsuits. But after this, Matt Malone is asking Pope Francis about his criticism of market capitalism and why people call him a socialist which Francis dances around. But the problem is behind this that you have rightly touched on is the social-political reduction of the gospel message. If I see the gospel in a sociological way only, yes, I am a communist. And so too is Jesus. Behind these Beatitudes in Matthew 25, there's a message that is Jesus' own, and that is to be a Christian. The communists stole some of our Christian values. Some others, they made a disaster out of them. Then Gerald O'Connell picking back to ask about his lack of being critical with China, which is really just the same question about why he doesn't call out Russia and Putin. And Francis really answered that question the same way. So that is my review of the interview from these five hacks at American Magazine. You know, I really don't like these topical interviews with Pope Francis. You know, I, I wish someone would just interview him about just one or two topics and flush those topics out to everyone, their, their logical conclusions. We, we never get to hear this, right? Pope Francis, we never get to hear him have real dialogue on one topic. He's always just cursory, you know, never deep, never explains his terms, never reaches logical, logical end to his conclusions. And it's unfortunate, really. We always got that out of Pope Benedict XVI. We don't with this Pope. And in this interview, we really, it was really, really just highlighted the fact that we have a Pope that's really just a modern version of like Aaron Burr. Free advice. Talk, Talk less. less. Smile what? more. Smile more. Ne never let them know Don't what you're against or what you're what for. You're against or what you're <laughs> but that's all I know about for. that. Let me know what you thought about the, his interview and my review of it in the comments below. But until then, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you. Blessings and shalom to you and to yours.